Hey everybody, welcome to Money's No Object. I'm your host, Dylan Howell. This is episode number 212 of our YouTube channel and podcast, and I cannot be more excited to continue sharing with you guys personal finance topics that I think can be useful for you in your long-term financial journey. Today, we are going to be talking about Black Monday. And for those of you who don't know what Black Monday is, hopefully you can come out of today with a little better understanding. But uh, in short, it is the largest one-day drop uh, in the stock market that we have ever seen in the United States. Uh, and we want to really dive into what caused that uh, and learn some lessons from Black Monday because that's the whole point of this week. I'm looking at these financial crashes that we've had in the past, and I want us to take lessons away from these crashes. So when new things come, when new crashes come, because they will come, like we saw uh, via the coronavirus and the economic destruction that it did, right? When crashes come, we can learn things. We can uh, come out of the other side with some lessons uh, that we can take and apply to our own lives. And so that's what I want you to get out of today, specifically coming from the lessons that we can learn from Black Monday. Before we get started, though, if you could go down below, hit the big red subscribe button, like this video, leave me any feedback in the comments down below, and I'll be sure to respond to anything you leave down there. If you're listening on Apple or Spotify podcast, be sure to subscribe and leave me a review on either one of those platforms. Follow me on social media at MNO with Dylan, and that's really good supplemental materials to all the things I'm putting out in these long form episodes on YouTube and the podcast every single day. And then if you need somebody to help you to build a financial plan that's specific to you and your family's needs and keep you accountable to that plan over the long term, then I can do that. Just go to my website, www.mnowithdylan.com. Click on the work with Dylan tab and you can choose the financial coaching session type that would work best for you. And we can begin pushing towards your long term financial goals together. So Black Monday, what Monday was it? Well, it was Monday, October 19th, 1987. And the Dow Jones Industrial Average that day lost 22% approximately in that one single day, which is just absolutely outrageous, right? The event marked the beginning of a global stock market decline and Black Monday became one of the most notorious days in financial history. By the end of the month, most of the major exchanges had dropped more than 20% altogether. So uh, this was the largest one day drop that we have ever seen in the stock market. Uh, and based on the stock market rules of today, it will continue to be the largest one day drop that we have ever seen. Because the difference between today's stock market and the stock market of the 1980s is that in the 1980s, they didn't have safeguards in place uh, to where if the market fell a certain amount that you could stop trading. Now, that is the case. Now, why is this the case. Why, why do they have these things in place in the first place? Well, uh, they found that as selling just precipitated downward, right? And as these algorithms and uh, different computer programs that were, they were dictating uh, the buying and selling of securities. And when uh, they would hit different price levels and they would continue to sell and sell and sell and sell, and the selling really would never stop. Right, and that's how you get a down 22% day like you did uh, on Black Monday. But now we have what are called circuit breakers. And circuit breakers are really interesting, and I wanna talk about them a little bit today because they're very relevant to Black Monday and the impact that Black Monday had on our lives. Right, Circuit breaker points, they represent the thresholds at which trading is halted market-wide for a single-day uh, decline in the S&P 500 index. So you use the S&P 500 as the benchmark for these circuit breakers. Circuit breakers halt trading on the nation's stock markets during dramatic drops that are set at 7%, 13%, and 20% of the closing price for the previous day. The circuit breakers are calculated daily. Okay, so uh, these circuit breakers actually were hit 
last year, right? We broke through some of these circuit breakers when uh, the coronavirus pandemic had just come upon us and the stock market was crashing. Uh, we hit some of these circuit breakers in um, early morning trading and the stock market had to be stopped. But let me tell you some of these rules, okay? There are three levels, again, 7, 13, and 20%. And so level one halts are at 7%. So trading will halt for 15 minutes if a drop of 7% occurs before 3.25 p.m. Okay, so that is uh, is what they decide to do if the market drops 7%. Okay, so it stops for 15 minutes. At or after 3.25 p.m., trading shall continue unless there is a level 3 halt. And we'll get to what a level 3 halt is here in just a moment. Then a level 2 halt. Uh, is at 13%. So trading will halt for 15 minutes if a drop occurs before uh, 3.25 p.m. And then at or after 3.25 p.m., trading shall continue unless there is a level three halt, which we'll get to in just a second. But uh, this level two halt has to occur after the level one halt. So uh, the level two halt can only occur once the market has stopped for it being 7% down. And then uh, if it breaks through that seven, has that halt and continues downward to 13, it will halt again for 15 minutes at 13. And then the level three halt, right, is a 20% halt. So at any time during the trading day, trading shall halt for the remainder of the trading day of the S&P 500 gets down 20% for that day, which is why I said a little while ago, we can never hit the lows of Black Monday ever again for a single day because it dropped more than 20% in a day and now uh, trading halts when the S&P 500 has dropped uh, by 20% in a single day. And so what this does is this lets people know that there's going to be that type of halt and some people will buy just to keep uh, those halts from occurring. Okay. So with single stocks though, cause this is for an index, but with single stocks, the sec has implemented a new marketplace rule known as the limit up or limit down rule designed to prevent trades from executing outside of price bands established throughout the day for individual stocks and ETF. So this isn't necessarily the same for individual stocks, but these are just for the stock market indexes. Okay. Now, if the index is down that much, then any individual stock is likely to be down as well, unless there's some um, you know, outsized reason that it should be up for a single day when the rest of the market is down 7, 13, or 20%. And all of these are absolutely huge moves. Yes, we've seen them in the prior year, right? And we've heard about them occurring in the past, but the market being down 7% in a day is huge. And I mean, we're talking about Black Monday, the market being down 20 plus percent in a single day is nearly unheard of, right? So these are things that we have uh, that we want to learn from. We want to know what brought the market down that much in a single day. Uh, and obviously there are some things here that can uh, you know, keep the market from going that low again, but still, we could still get down as far as 20% in a single day. And so we'll talk about some lessons that we could learn uh, and how we could possibly keep that from occurring or, uh, you know, things that maybe we can't keep from occurring, but uh, those who have some major control in the market, how they can keep these types of things from occurring as well. Okay. So economists have contributed the crash, right? The Black Monday crash to a combination of geopolitical events and the advent of computerized programming trading that accelerated the sell-off, right? So now we call it algorithmic trading, right? Where these algorithms, uh, when certain types of trading is occurring, right? They may trigger to sell at a certain time and they may trigger to buy at a certain time. And this has been a big deal uh, in the United States in our recent past as well, because uh, we have seen what are called 
flash crashes, right? And so for those of you who don't know what a flash crash is, a flash crash is an event in electronic securities markets where the withdrawal of stock orders rapidly amplifies price declines and then recovers quickly. So you see a quick crash and then it comes back, okay? The result appears to be a rapid sell-off of securities that can happen over a few minutes, resulting in dramatic declines. However, usually by the end of a trading day, as prices have rebounded, uh, the flash crash doesn't seem to have ever happened. And we've seen this a couple times in the modern day, right? We've seen this uh, in 2010, there was a huge flash crash. Uh, and then in 2015, we saw it a few times as well. So May 6, 2010, there was a flash crash known as the crash of 245, or simply the flash crash. And this was a trillion dollar stock market crash in the United States that started at 2.32 p.m. Eastern and lasted for approximately 36 minutes. During this 36 minute time period, the Dow Jones Industrial Average lost about 1,000 points in 10 minutes. However, in the next 30 minutes, the index recovered almost 600 points. Other market indexes across North America were also affected by the flash crash. The S&P 500 Volatility Index increased by 22.5% because obviously with a quick crash, that is increased volatility. But by the end of that trading day, the major indices, they regained more than half of the lost values. Nevertheless, the flash crash took away about a trillion dollars in market value, which is uh, crazy that something like that can happen so quickly, but that is what algorithmic trading can do. And that can be done uh, in a similar way to how Black Monday happened. And you got to think in 1987, Black Monday was uh, very early on in the ability for computers to trade and computers to do things for you uh, and execute trades for you. And so uh, they may not have had a lot of the, uh, you know, very technologically advanced uh, algorithms in place that we do today, even though ours still may have some bugs and some issues, those uh, could really, really be tough uh, to back off of once uh, they start precipitating downward, okay? So that could be one of the underlying causes of Black Monday. Now, the cause of the massive stock market drop cannot be attributed to any single news event since no major news event was released the weekend preceding the crash. And now this is what's really interesting about Black Monday. Typically, when you see uh, some type of major market crash, it is on the back of some news, right? And the market is trying to quickly price in new news. But with Black Monday, there was no new news. There was nothing uh, that was just exceedingly bad that should have sent the market into a spiral in the way that it did. However, several events coalesced to create an atmosphere of panic among investors. For example, the trade deficit of the United States widened with respect to other countries. Computerized trading, which was still not the dominant force it is today, was increasingly making its presence felt at several Wall Street firms. The stock market crash of 1987 revealed the role financial and technological innovation in increased market volatility. In automated trading or program trading, human decision-making is taken out of the equation, right? And buyer-sell orders are generated automatically based on price levels of benchmark indexes like the S&P 500 or specific uh, you know, price levels of individual stocks. Leading up to the crash, the models in use tended to produce strong positive feedback, generating more buy orders when prices were rising and more sell orders when prices began to fall. Crises such as a standoff between Kuwait and Iran, which threatened to disrupt oil supplies, also made investors jittery. So this was just a bunch of events that were coming uh, around this certain situation where computerized trading was becoming a big deal. Uh, and it led the market downward and it led it down in a very quick and hard fashion over that single day. 
Now, what is scary about something like Black Monday and something that you have to prepare yourself for as an investor is that it can happen again. Since Black Monday, a number of protective mechanisms like those circuit breakers that I was talking about earlier have been put into place. However, high-frequency trading algorithms driven by supercomputers move massive volume in just milliseconds, which increases volatility. So this is something that is still going on today and is going on in a way that it never has before. The 2010 flash crash was the result of high-frequency trading gone awry, sending the stock market down 10% in a matter of minutes. This led to the installation of tighter price bands, but the stock market has experienced several volatile moments since 2010. The rise of technology and online trading has introduced more risk into the market, right? It's in, it's introduced uh, this risk that it's not humans making decisions, uh, but it is these algorithms, it is these uh, computerized trading mechanisms that are making these decisions, and that makes it very difficult on the individual investor because uh, not only do those algorithms front run, meaning uh, they take on you know whatever price they want quicker because they're already set to do so, uh, but they also can pull the market down or explode the market up based on uh, how they are set up. Now, amid 2020's global COVID-19 pandemic, markets lost similar amounts in the months of March as jobless rates reached their highest levels since the Great Depression before recovering over the summer as they did uh, during Black Monday. And so this is something that we've seen recently that is very, very similar to what we've seen in the past. And that's something that I tried to make clear uh, when I talked about the Great Depression yesterday is that uh, there are similar mechanisms that are still going on today that went on back then right we saw during uh you know the beginning of the COVID-19 pandemic that uh the stock market as it was heading down quickly uh in early trading during certain days uh that these algorithms were just trading 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 and taking it down very 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 fast and uh, that's what happens when bad news has to get priced in these algorithms are going to react swiftly uh, and it's going to look like an overreaction to whatever is occurring and that's because the algorithm may not have been set up uh, to take on that amount of volatility in such a short amount of time. And it may not be paying as much attention to uh, what other traders are doing and why they are doing it. It's just based on price actions uh, and volatility and momentum and all of those types of things, which can be dangerous uh, because, like we saw, it can lead the market down, down, down in a very fast fashion, okay? Now, what I want to go into now, and this is what I want to spend the rest of our time today on, is the lessons that we can learn from Black Monday and other market crashes, because we just saw a market crash last year, so we want to know what we can learn from market crashes, right? Market crashes of any duration, they are temporary, okay? That is a, that's a really big thing that I want you to uh, keep in mind as we talk about some of these lessons, is that market crashes are temporary. Many of the steepest market rallies have occurred immediately following a sudden crash. The steep market declines in August 2015 and January 2016 were both 10% drops, but the market fully recovered and rallied in new or near new highs in the following months, right? We see crashes occur, but crashes are absolutely temporary, okay? You saw the crash last year, right, during the pandemic, right? The market was down over 30%. If you had the wherewithal to buy during that time, uh, which you should have if you're a long-term investor, it's always a buying opportunity when the market drops a lot, right? If you have the wherewithal to buy, you could be far, far more wealthy now than you were at that time because 
the stock market increased by a very large clip uh, over the amount that it was prior to the pandemic uh, since that particular time. Okay, so we have seen these crashes and we've seen great recoveries out of the bottom of these crashes. And recoveries from the stock market's perspective, at least, are happening faster than they have ever happened because of the volume in the stock market, because of uh, individuals looking to get alpha. They're looking to get uh, the best returns they can get. And the best returns you can get are when you buy things cheap and you hold them as they continue to go up and you sell high. Okay. Now, a lesson you can learn from Black Monday is that you need to stick with your strategy when it comes to your investing. Okay, a well-conceived long-term investment strategy based on personal investment objectives should provide the confidence for investors to remain steadfast while everyone else is panicking. What does Warren Buffett say? And I've quoted it before and I will quote it again. Uh, he says, be fearful when others are greedy and be greedy when others are fearful. Okay, it's hard to be greedy when others are fearful. It is very, very hard. And it's also hard to be fearful when others are greedy, right? Because when others are greedy, you want to get in on the action. You want to buy what they're buying. You want to get the returns that they're getting or that they seem to be getting, right? Who didn't want to jump into Bitcoin as it was on its meteoric rise, right? And if you just bought it because your friends bought it, right? You were being greedy because others were being greedy and you weren't being fearful when others were being greedy. And we've seen uh, a large pullback in Bitcoin. Now, it doesn't mean it's going to stay that way, but uh, it shows you that price action uh, can change on a dime. And when price action changes, it is profitable to be fearful when others are greedy and greedy when others are fearful. And like last year, if you would have bought at the bottom of the market, right, you were being greedy when others were fearful, right? You were wanting to put money to work when others were wanting to take money out of the market. And if you would have done so, then you would have made outsized returns on the back end. You just have to stick to your strategy. Be a good long-term investor and do not panic when everyone else is panicking. When everyone else is panicking, it's typically a good time to look objectively at the market and think without too much emotion and see what is good and what is on sale. Okay, Investors who lack a strategy tend to let their emotions guide their decision-making. Investors who have stayed invested in the S&P 500 since 1987 have earned an annualized return of a approximately 10%. Okay, so you see this huge crash in 1987, right? This huge 22% decline and you think, "Oh, well, you know, the stock market's going to to be down forever. The stock market's never going to come back. It's never going to be like it was. Never, never, never. Never is always the word that you want to listen for because when someone says that something's never going to happen again, that means it's probably going to happen again. Or if somebody says, uh, this is just, uh, this is unprecedented. This is something that uh, you could have never uh, looked for. It's something that you know we never thought could have happened, right? That means they probably didn't do a whole lot of thinking or, uh, you know, people really underestimate uh, the ability for things to happen in the market uh, and they underestimate the impact that certain things can have on the market as a whole. But they also underestimate the fact that when the market is down a lot, that's when some of the best returns can be made on the other side. Yes, if you're invested and the market drops a lot, right? And then it's going to take a lot of time for the market to get back to the place that it was. Yeah, that's going to hurt. And yeah, that's going to be a little painful for a little while because you're going to have to wait for the market to come back up to the place that it once was, right? Which may take some time. But uh, if you start investing at a low or if you invest a lot of money that was just sitting on the sidelines at a low, right? Then you should be very optimistic because uh, you can make outsized returns from the fact that the market is on sale relative to what it was before, okay? So that's the first thing. Stick with your strategy, be a long-term investor, buy and hold and take advantage of opportunities. Then, 
this goes right into our next uh, little lesson here, a point here, is buying opportunities. Knowing that stock market crashes are only temporary, these times should be considered an opportunity to buy stocks or funds, okay? So what would you do in a scenario like this? I'll give you a quick example of just real world, right? Let's say you'd been looking uh, at some shoes, okay? And you really, really like these shoes, but these shoes cost $100 and you were like, man, I just don't wanna spend $100 on a pair of shoes. Okay, but you know, let's say you'd be willing to spend $75 on that same pair of shoes, but $100 is just too much. Okay, then you go back to the same store, you know, a few days later, and they've got that same pair of shoes, no different, same pair of shoes, but they've got that same pair of shoes on sale for half off. So they are $50 today. And you were willing to spend $75 on that particular pair of shoes. You thought that was a fair price for that pair of shoes. Well, now it's at $50, what would you do? Of course you would buy those shoes, why? Because those shoes are worth more than what you could buy them for at that particular time, okay? Well, the same goes for companies that are really good companies or funds that are really good funds or just index funds in general, right? That fall a lot in a short period of time and you, know, you thought it may be reasonable to buy them at a certain price and they fall below that price, right? Then why would you not buy them, right? I think it's it's absolutely paramount uh, that we take crashes as buying opportunities. Because, for instance, you look at companies uh, that had no reason to fall last year, but absolutely did at the very beginning of the pandemic, but then came out of the pandemic the biggest winners that we saw because all stocks were falling when the pandemic was just upon us, right? But if you would have looked at that very time, at that time when everybody else was being fearful and you were greedy and you looked at the individual stocks that you thought, hey, if everybody was going to be stuck at home, people are still going to be buying goods from Amazon. If everybody's stuck at home, right, then we're going to be doing business over Zoom or whatever it may be. If you would have just looked objectively at that, you could have made so much money from the bottom because crashes are absolutely buying opportunities and that's what 1987 teaches us. Then another lesson that we can learn from 1987 is that you need to turn off the noise. Over the long term, market crashes such as Black Monday are a small blip in the performance of a well-structured portfolio. Short-term market events are impossible to predict and they are soon forgotten. Long-term investors are better served by tuning out the noise of the media and the herd and focusing on your long-term objectives. Because let me tell you this, you can just look at, last, again, I'm using last year as an example a lot because last year is the most recent event that we've seen that is very similar to a stock market crash like that of 1987. But you look last year uh, and you just, if you just paid attention during the pandemic as to what was going on, right? I will never forget this as a picture in my mind uh, of watching CNBC, because I like to watch CNBC, right? Talks about stocks, talks about companies, you know, talks about businesses, things like that. That's very interesting to me because I'm a business nerd, I'm a stock market nerd. But nonetheless, right, you watch CNBC and as the pandemic was going on, as the market was tanking, right, what did you see? You saw that their coverage of the stock market increased right? They talked more about the markets, right? They had uh, evening shows that they typically do not have about the stock market. And everywhere you looked, something that I, the, the three words that I can remember from CNBC were markets in turmoil, right? And they were in big red letters and it was all over the screen, markets in turmoil. And why is this? Because the media makes money on the fact that people are scared, right? They do make money on the fact that people are fearful, 
right? People are going to watch if they think that they can get something out of the fact that markets are in turmoil, right? Or they're going to be more intrigued by the fact that bad things have happened than if good things have happened, right? This is just the case with a news media and, and nothing against them for advertising it that way or for putting it up on the screen in that way, but that's just the way that they did it, right? But this was noise, right? It was noise to investors and it was scary to investors when you turn on the TV and it says markets in turmoil, right? Or, I mean, if you just look on any given day, like if the stock market has a bad day, most of the things you see on the screen throughout the course of that day are bright red. They are red. They're, they're getting your attention. It's negative. It's, it's, you know, it, it evokes emotion within you, right? But you can't listen to the media, right? Yes. I'm not saying you, you shouldn't watch CNBC, right? You can watch CNBC. That's fine. But don't let everybody's little opinion drive you into making certain decisions. Okay. Yes. There are people who have good opinions and they have good reasonable basis for why they do certain things investing wise. Right. And that's fine if you want to listen to their opinions. Right. But you don't have to act on the basis of their opinions. Okay. You cannot be driven by the noise outside of you. You have to make decisions within your own mind, within your own uh, investing process, within your own investing objectives that are going to be best for you over the long term. Okay. You can't allow those outside things uh, to just push you into making dumb decisions. Okay. Because what's one of the dumbest things you can do that a lot of people did during the coronavirus crash, and we haven't heard as much about it yet. Right. But uh, as time goes on, I'm sure you're, you'll meet a lot of people that said, oh, well, I sold when the market crashed. That's the absolute worst time to sell. Right. That is the time when you have to either buy more, which is preferred, or continue to ride the roller coaster, which is perfectly fine as well. But these are people who lacked the education, who lacked the knowledge to to make the right decision, that lacked the understanding uh, to know that, hey, this is the worst thing I can do at this given time is to lock in these losses. And they were listening to the noise. We have to turn off the noise that is outside of us. We have to not listen to the herd, not follow what everybody else is doing, not follow people as they jump into Bitcoin at its highs, not follow people as they jump onto Dogecoin because they're looking for quick returns. And I don't even think of that as that's gambling, right? Uh, we're not trying to be gamblers. We're trying to be long-term investors. Okay. And typically whatever little tip you hear from your buddy or whatever, you know, thing that, that is making the most noise, right, is going to be the thing that gets you in the most trouble. So you might want to divert your attention away and not pay so much attention to all the noise and to what the herd says. Now, the last lesson I think that we can learn from uh, Black Monday, from that uh, dreadful day in 1987 for the stock market, is that you're not going to control the stock market, and the stock market can move in a crazy way over the short term, but the stock market will continue to be uh, the best place that you can put your assets to work because you're investing in some of America and the world's best businesses and allowing the growth of your money to coincide with the growth of some of the best businesses in the world. The stock market is going to continue to be a place to grow your money. Don't let short-term blips get in the way of you investing in the stock market. Your investment in the stock market needs to continue because it's going to be the best way that you can send your kids to college and the best way that you can retire over the long term and the best way you can uh, you know, invest for whatever it may be that you were trying to invest for, right? The stock market is going to provide the best outsized returns over the long term, right? But in the short term, we will see things like that because we live in imperfect markets. The markets are not perfect. 
Okay, and the fact that that is the case uh, lets us know that we are going to see short-term overreactions to the upside and the downside, but we have to be even keel about both, and that will serve you well as an investor over the long term. So I hope this discussion of Black Monday really helped you guys. I hope uh, maybe you learned a little more stock market history as to uh, the worst day that we've seen uh, and the fact that it's, you know, 1987, it's a, it's a little bit of time ago, but uh, that's still within a lot of people's lifetimes that's, you know, either listening to this or a lot of people's lifetimes that we know, right? Uh, so these types of things can occur. Uh, we've seen big crashes before. We'll see big crashes again. And we have to know how to react as investors during those crashes. But the best thing that we can do is be rational and make the good decisions, stick to our guns, continue investing in the stock market, and do all the things that we know are going to serve us best over the long term. Because short-term decision-making uh, can tend to cause a lot of long-term hurt. But if you make decisions with the long-term in mind, uh, then you will be best suited. Because yourself tomorrow or yourself 10 years from now or yourself 40 years from now will absolutely thank you for making those decisions in the way that you did so thanks for watching this episode if you could go down below hit the big red subscribe button like this video leave me any feedback in the comments down below and i'll be sure to respond to anything you leave down there if you're listening on apple or spotify podcast be sure to subscribe and leave me a review on either one of those platforms follow me on social media at mno with dylan and that's really good supplemental materials that i'm putting out every day uh, that can go right along with these long form episodes on youtube and the podcast and then if you need somebody to help you to build a financial plan that's specific to you and your family's needs and keep you accountable to that plan over the long term, then I can do that. Just go to my website, www.mnowithdylan.com. Click on the Work With Dylan tab and you can choose the financial coaching session type that would work best for you and we can begin pushing towards your long-term financial goals together. So tune in tomorrow as I talk about another crash. And this crash is one of many of our lifetimes and that is uh, the dot-com bubble. And I'll talk about everything that happened there and the lessons that we can take away uh, from that stock market crash and that economic meltdown that we had. So stay tuned for that in tomorrow's episodes and stay tuned for the rest of the week as we continue talking about crashes that have happened in the history of the United States. So thanks for tuning into this episode of Money's No Object. I'm your host, Dylan Howell. God bless.